There's an estimated 40 million victims of human trafficking globally today, which means that there are more people enslaved today than there have been at any other time. Welcome to Diesel Stories, where we sit down with professionals across the industry to hear about their journey. I'm Jacob Finlay, along with Chris O'Brien. Today, we're talking with Laura Cyrus, Director of Corporate Engagement at Truckers Against Trafficking. Hey, Laura, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. And uh, you got Jacob and Chris. Good evening. I know it's not afternoon anymore. So good evening, Laura. Yeah, thanks. So Laura, we love what you guys are doing over there. And um, we want to we want to get into that. But first of all, we wanted to talk about your story. How did you get into this? Kind of kind of where you grew up and and uh, how, how you land um, at this uh, at this growing uh, nonprofit that's got this amazing cause. So I understand you're in Michigan now. Did you did you grow up in Michigan? Is that where you were born? I did. Yeah. Yep. I was uh, born and raised here in Michigan and, um, did my undergrad at Michigan state university, go green. Nice. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I was, it's a really interesting story, kind of long, so I'm not going to go through all of it, but when I was in college, um, I had a, an interesting experience, um, with someone that, um, stalked me, uh, for, a long time, like a very serious, Hmm. like not, not joking, but a a, a legit stalker. Um, and ended up kind of going through some of the processes of, um, you know, the criminal justice system. And, um, really after that experience wanted to focus on how can I help women? How can I help, uh, people that are survivors of crime? Um, and so I changed my major to criminal justice and, um, really started to pursue kind of this, um, justice, uh, minded kind of career path. And, um, I hadn't heard anything about human trafficking in any of my coursework when I was, you know, doing this program. And, um, it wasn't until I heard a missionary speak on the topic of human trafficking trafficking, um, that I really started to dig more deeply into the subject. And she was focusing on her organization, which was overseas. Um, but she, you know, she was talking about not only sex trafficking, but labor trafficking and Mm -hmm. referenced this case, um, out of the, the state of California. This was 15 plus years ago, um, where there was actually found to be, um, a sweatshop of sorts in LA that was making garments that were sold at many places around the world, but including major department stores here in the United States. And um, I had recently purchased two dresses from um, Macy's and I was getting ready to graduate and I was going to use these outfits, you know, to hopefully land my dream job. Um, And I was just so convicted and so floored that I had never um, previously considered who was making my clothing, right? Or producing my coffee or my chocolate or, you know, the rubber and my tires or any of this kind of stuff. And I literally that night, um, you know, I'm a person of faith and I just felt called that night to do something as it related to human trafficking. And I wasn't sure what that really looked like at the time. Um, but I just knew I was going to dedicate my life to this cause. Um, and so that's kind of where it got started. And then there's a, there's a lot of other details, um, that, that kind of connected me with tat. Um, 
And so I can speak to that now, or I didn't know if you want to ask me another question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. So by the way, the dresses you brought up Macy's, were they made at the sweatshop? They were not. Yes. Um, okay. I was just but, my, not I was at crossing that one. my fingers. Not at that right. one. Right. No, not at that one. But but right. I mean, that's the whole that's that's the whole point, I think, for me was um, you know, I had that wasn't even on my radar when I was yeah. purchasing that clothing. I was not a very conscious consumer, right? Um, had never thought about the people that were really making my garments. And and I was really truly convicted by that. Hmm. Um so right flash forward i you know i so you graduate back. you graduate you graduated wear, you wear the dresses or no to I, the interviews. I i did wear the dresses to the interviews did not land any of the dream jobs okay. this was at the height of the market crash um and i was not finding a job in my field um and ended up anyway kind of a crazy story but uh went into business with a retired psychologist doing um workplace consulting and having a blog and a radio show and and all kinds of different things related to optimism and how Hmm. being an optimistic person you're not born an optimist or a pessimist it's really a choice that you make every day and anyway he um was a fantastic mentor a fantastic boss and and i ended up doing so many of these random things like website development and um producing a, a web show and uh you know all this crazy stuff that i just thought oh gosh none of this is really I mean, I enjoyed doing it, but it wasn't my calling. Right. And I was like, why do I, why am I having all these random experiences? And, um, you know, when is this ever going to serve me? The the calling being doing something about human trafficking. Yes, correct. Right. So I do that for a couple of years and my, my business partner slash mentor decides that he, um, actually wants to go back to school and went to Duke Divinity School and became um, a minister. And we folded our business. And, and at this time, I was looking at different graduate programs. And I found this program at the University of Denver in Colorado mm-hmm. um, that was part of their Corbell School of International Studies. And it was a master's in international human rights with a concentration in forced labor and human trafficking. Mm. Um, and I thought, if I can get into this program, surely you know, I'll be able to do something. And so I, I applied and I got in and this was a crazy whirlwind uh, time in my life. My, I married my husband in June. We moved out to Colorado from Michigan in July. I started the graduate program in August um, of that year and just really kind of never looked back. So it was during my time in graduate school that I interned with truckers against trafficking. And at the Mm. time, um, it was just Candace Paris, our executive director. Um, She was the only full-time paid staff member. Um, And her sister, who's our deputy director, Kyla Lanier, um, they were working, um, handling everything with TAT. And Kyla at the time was still a full-time teacher. Um, So she was doing social media and helping Candace when she could on the side, but she wasn't even really being paid by TAT at the time. Um, And so I had this interview for this internship and um, I have never looked back. I've been here now seven plus years um, and have, you know, as with any nonprofit, I, I think people can relate. And even in different, different corporate jobs as well, you always wear many hats. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have done the mail room. I have done um, our general communications inbox. I've done operations and my, my current role is a director of corporate engagement. So um, it was a, an interesting, um, interesting weave, I guess, of all of those different threads. Um, and, you know, I mentioned what I thought 
was the random experiences mm-hmm. um, that I was accumulating when I was doing this business back in East Lansing. And um, I ended up completely redesigning Tat's website. I've gone on to do voiceover work on a number of our trainings and webinars that we've done. Um, so it's just a reminder to anybody out there. Um, you, you know, sometimes know. it feels like you are, yeah, you're not, you're not achieving your goals or you're not, um, you know, at that place that you want to be right now. And you're wondering, gosh, you know, how am I ever going to, um, how am I ever going to get to the place I want to be? All of those experience in life, I truly believe are setting us up for future success. And it's, it is that attitude that you have of, you know, I can either be miserable and depressed and upset and, you know, ungrateful with where I'm at in life, or I can say, Hey, all of these experiences that I've accumulated over time are uh, molding me into a, a, a better person, a more, there's my dogs. <laughs> I don't know if we need to stop. If no, you're gonna be able to no. Edit this keep, out. keep it going. No, love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's like, it's um, nice. It's a nice ambient like yeah. background noise and we can hear you just fine. So keep going. I'll tell you what, I was on the Dave Nemo radio show on Sirius XM radio oh, yeah, a couple yeah. months ago and the UPS man came to my house and was pounding on my door as I'm like trying to have this live interview with, um, <laughs> with Dave Nemo. So, nice. um, nothing new around here. That's but, just um, the time we live in, everybody understands. Yeah. <laughs> um, thinking about, right. All of those those circumstances in life that um, you can either choose to like weigh you down or build you up. And, um, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for um, the, the opportunity that I had to learn and do kind of a lot of this web and tech um, and, and production related stuff uh, because it's really served me very well. And I've been able to serve this organization by having those skills. Yeah, that's awesome. Helping them basically free up some of the overhead expense that can then yes. probably be spent on the mission. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, so you, you've realized your dream, you're working toward um, ending human trafficking. So, so you've arrived. Tell us about, um, I guess a lot of people, I, I think we're hearing more and more about this um, just kind of as a society about human trafficking going on. Um, we're, we're hearing some where like maybe, uh, there's some organizations set up out there who are taking advantage of people's sympathies to raise money to end trafficking. And maybe it's not totally legit. Uh, I know you guys are legit. Uh, maybe tell us about what, what does the landscape look like? Has this always been going on and just, I guess, get us up to speed with geez, like slavery ended in the 1860s, didn't it? Right, uh, is right. this actually still going on? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what I like to tell people when, whether we're talking specifically about human trafficking or not, we have to remember that there, since the beginning of time, have been people that have been exploiting others, right? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be, um, you know, folks that are on the margins, folks that have vulnerabilities, and and there's there's always going to be, unfortunately, those people that seek to exploit those. Um, And, you know, when we're talking about human trafficking, um, there's an estimated 40 million victims of human trafficking globally today, which Mm. means that there are more people enslaved today than there have been at any other time. Um, We know, unfortunately, it's hugely profitable for the traffickers. We're talking about um, an illicit industry that generates $150 billion a year in profits for these traffickers. So that's why they're doing it. They're doing it because they are making money um, and you know, we have to, when we, we talk about that, we, we can't ignore the demand. The reality is if there were no buyers, um, 
no people that were willing to engage in purchasing commercial sex, there would be no victim because the reality is there's never enough um, uh, of a willing market, people that are willing to do this uh, to meet the demand. So traffickers are exploiting that. They recognize that there's always going to be um, typically men that are interested in purchasing commercial sex and um, they are master manipulators when it comes to preying on those that are vulnerable, uh, whether it's women or girls or boys or even adult men are victims of this as well um, when we're talking about sex and labor trafficking. So, um, you know, it's a hugely profitable um, operation, unfortunately, for traffickers. We know that it's happening. Um, I mean, in every single country. Here in the United States, we know it's in every single state. Um, there is no zip code, no area code that's immune from this crime. And, and when we think about um, not only the victims, but also the traffickers, right? Like there, there can be um, people that are in high places in society that we would never, um, never think that would be involved in trafficking, but yet they are, both when it comes to who could be the victim and the, the perpetrator. So uh, we know that children especially are vulnerable. Those that are um, in the LGBTQ um, population, those that are experiencing homelessness, those that are um, suffering abuse at home, um, you know, our, our kids are truly the most vulnerable among us. But like I said, it's not just happening to children. This is happening to adults as well. And, and that's one of the things, um, you know, kind of tying it back to TAT that I appreciate about what we do is we are truly going after the hearts and minds of the transportation industry and equipping them with the tools to become aware of this and, and to say, okay, you know, obviously any of us can get on board, right? When it's um, a, a minor that might be engaged in this. Um, everybody's got kids or nieces or nephews or just wants to be a good community member. Um, but I think the other thing we're seeing is we're helping drivers, especially understand Hey, if you're looking at an adult that's, you know, perhaps out at a truck stop um, trying to solicit commercial sex, um, you know, don't don't think that she's there by choice, because the reality is uh, she's probably not. And really? I would argue, you know, even if if she was there by choice, um, air quotes, I would say, you know, that that person likely had very limited other choices and who knows what other influences in their life um really forced them to come to that point so i guess that's, um, i guess that's um laura that's part of the definition right because um you're not necessarily just talking about people that are in chains for example it might right. be that they are in a situation where i guess their situation is being manipulated in a way that they cannot yeah. uh, they, they can't get out Yep. The definition of human trafficking, we're talking about the exploitation of human beings through force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of either commercial sex um, or forced labor, where there's that third party, that trafficker that's in control and making a profit off of somebody else's labor. Um, and so when we talk about force, fraud, and coercion, um, you know, force can be anything and everything you could think of to compel an individual to, to be involved in this, whether that's a one-off beating, brutal assault, uh, rape, gang rape, forced drug addiction, uh, mutilation, torture. I mean, just any number of horrific things. Or uh, geographic separation, right? From, from yes, loved ones. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, you brought up a great point, though, this idea of, of the chains and, and, um, 
most times, most times we are talking about invisible chains. You know, we've all seen the movie Taken. We all, you know, have seen the the viral posts on Facebook of, oh, you know, I was almost abducted at, you know, Walmart or wherever, grocery store. Look out for these traffickers. Um, you know, it's just that's not the way it happens. It can happen that way. Absolutely. And we know of cases where victims have been abducted, right, and forced um, to sell sex. But the reality is most victims know their trafficker, whether that's a, a familial relationship um, or someone that has uh, pretended to have a romantic interest with this victim, um, somebody that's groomed someone online, uh, be it, you know, through social media or dating sites or whatever it is. Um, most victims are going to know their trafficker. And so um, it, it really hurts the cause when you have false information um, that gets people riled up. Like, of course, I'm never going to say, you know, oh, you don't have to be vigilant or observant. Like, you're, go about your life. You'll be fine. I mean, certainly I'm going to tell anybody to watch their surroundings and be careful and, you know, look around for for who might be following you or, or you know, whatever. But to get people so riled up to think that that's the only way that trafficking happens really hurts um, the actual cases because then you have this false idea in your mind of, oh, this is this nice little neat right. box of trafficking and this is what a victim looks like or this is how it always starts. And that's just not the case. So how do we, you know, like so there's this uh, this huge market here. And if if we know about it, how do we get it to stop? I see, you know, like where you, 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 you folks have, trained nearly you're approaching a million folks that yeah. are trained and how do we get the message out further and get more people involved yeah well i think you know as we would uh as we would agree and suggest it it really does start with awareness and education and so what we realized and this is kind of kind of coming back to the origins of tat um you know we recognize that the trucking industry just honestly, through their sheer numbers, um, their extensive travels and the nature of their jobs, they can provide an extra set of eyes and ears for law enforcement. And so what we recognized was that there was this mobile army, right, that was out there. And all we had to do was give them the tools, help them understand what to look for, to know what to do, which is to call in tips immediately to either the National Human Trafficking Hotline or to local law enforcement. Um, but we were really able to mobilize this industry. And so from there, it went to the bus industry and the oil and gas industry. And what we're, what we're trying to do is make those partnerships with these industries that truly are on the front lines. And maybe they didn't know they were on the front lines of, of anti-trafficking efforts, but they are. Um, and by educating these populations of men and women, we are truly helping to recover victims and have these traffickers arrested. So, um, so I think, go ahead. Uh, well, no, go ahead, Laura. I was just going to say, you know, it, it comes down to not only the education piece, but then um, once people understand the issue a little bit deeper, um, then we can have those conversations. So we have a we have a great resource on our website. Um, uh, if you go to truckersagainsttrafficking.org and go to the demand tab that we have up at the top, 
we created a conversation starter um, and it's a, it's a video called addressing demand man to man and the idea behind it was okay we've got these truck drivers right predominantly men we know there's a there's a share good good fair number of women in the industry as well um, but this largely male-dominated field, we've got these folks that are educated, they understand now what, what trafficking is, what it looks like. How can we now take it a step deeper and kind of have that ripple effect go one or two ripples beyond that one person that was trained? We want to have these guys um, start having conversations with the men in their life about the realities um, of commercial sex and the link to human trafficking um, and just have um, open and honest conversations between whether it's a, a coworker or maybe a brother or a nephew or somebody in a men's group or, you know, whatever it is, whatever that sphere of influence looks like um, in their life for them to have some, some conversation starters, some tools to begin to have the conversation linking the demand for commercial sex to human trafficking, because that you talk about how can we how can we stop this? How can we continue to um, combat trafficking? That is really the next piece. We have to we have to consider the demand element um, if we're really going to make a dent. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the uh, the industries. You know, we've got um, you know, so you've got water companies, gas companies, electric companies. There's just so many people out on the road in inner cities doing services that if more partners get involved or more people are involved, um, we can, we can have a greater impact than just beyond the truckers and the folks in buses. So I love the idea of what you're saying and more awareness. Um, cause I think it, it does require what you're, you're talking about man to man and more people just coming forward, like literally yeah. coming forward and getting involved. Yeah. And the thing that we always, um, you know, obviously colleagues and, and other folks within the industry that that we, we speak with, we want them to, um, like I said, continue that ripple effect. But at the end of every single presentation um, or, or talk that we give, right, it, it also comes back to the dinner table because, um, like I said, I mean, we, we all have kids, we all have family members, and um, it's not only something that industry can get involved with, but having this conversation about the reality of human trafficking and, you know, how traffickers prey on uh, victims uh, is something that we need to be educating our children about when, you know, age appropriate, of course, but um our kids need to hear that kind of stuff from people that they can trust, um, mm -hmm. and we need to really encourage our kids not only to be safe and to to think about the types of relationships and interactions they have but then to again ripple effect think about the their friends and who their friends are talking to and what kind of you know weird situations might come up in in the life of the the people that they're around and so um it, it doesn't just stop with you yeah. Right. You once you know this information, you are just like you're obligated to yeah, to spread this, whether you're 17 or 37 or 56. Um, we all have a, a role to play in this. It seems like it's a pledge. And then um, it, a lot of folks, you know, when you're trying to inform somebody about something that's, well, it won't happen to me. Like as simple as locking your front door or making sure the house is secure at night. Like, oh, it's fine. It won't happen to me. It's kind of interesting how some have that perspective. 
Um, but the other thing too, what about legislation? So, you know, there's these, uh, things that we've heard of, uh, three strikes and you're out to me, this is one of those ones. It's one strike and you're out. So do we have legislation that's supporting this where we catch you trafficking, you, we throw you in prison, throw away the key. There's, there's no pass go, there's no forgiveness. You go to jail, you go to prison for life. We are starting to see um, different states have stronger legislation around this. Um, I would say, you know, one of the things that that I would encourage everybody to do in your local community is to look up what what happens. You know, Google some Google some, um, you know, human trafficking in X city or X county or whatever it is. Um, We're starting to see more of that. Certainly, I think people are recognizing that this is um, something obviously that's not going away. Uh, But I think that there's room for um, for more of that. And related to trucking. So this this might be interesting to your audience. um, There is uh, something called the no human trafficking on our roads act which was passed oh gosh either in 2018 or 2019 um and what it is there is now a lifetime ban on a cdl for anyone that is found to be using a commercial motor vehicle um in the you know with the crime of human trafficking so you can lose your cdl for life if you um are convicted of crimes involving severe forms of human trafficking um so it's something you know that is not pleasant to talk about and you you, you think about deterrence and you know is that really enough um, i want more to be I quite honest with you I, yeah, like, right, I want more right. like well, that, there but, needs to be some uh, some prosecution some prison time something um because I, I it's almost as though they just would move to another career not having a having a, a former cdl holder that that was everything right it's a guaranteed uh job for life um and there's a lot of pride uh being a truck driver it just uh you know having children you know uh, just like you it, it it's um it's just hard to even fathom yeah. people doing that to your own children and it's somebody else's children that it's happening to. Hey, hey, Laura, yeah. um, maybe you can um, give us kind of a lay of the land here because when um, when we talk about human trafficking, I, I get it. We're talking about anybody being compelled into commercial sex or um, compelled labor. And um, it, are we talking about large, sprawling organizations behind this or is it really just like um a few people at a time it's both it's absolutely both um what's the what's the breakdown roughly and and and, you know i yeah oh go ahead well yeah what's roughly the breakdown there and then the breakdown between the uh commercial sex and um uh forced labor you know, I don't know the breakdown off the top of my head. Um, I can try to get you some of that information um, if you want to uh, follow up on this. I don't know if you guys do show notes or anything like that. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I can I can try to get you that. Um, yeah, we can we can put that in the show notes. But as far as like large organization, small organization, um, there's uh, there's maybe sometimes this perception that like the Illuminati is running human trafficking around the world. And uh, once we bring that organization down, it's over. Is it that kind of situation or is it more, uh, I guess, uh, almost like a mom and pop type operation just multiplied by the millions? Yeah, I would say more the latter. Um, You know, certainly there are organized 
Um, I cannot speak to the Illuminati, um, but there are certainly organized, uh, you know, rings that work um, and, and gang activity, right, that, um, you know, is able to profit off of human trafficking. Uh, but the reality is, even if you take down, you know, those larger heads, um, there, there are always going to be these um, these smaller entities or right, like you're saying, the mom and pop operations or just, you know, one guy who's trafficking, you know, one girl or, or a couple women or whatever it is. Um, so while certainly we do not want to shy away from going after those organized entities, I think, um, again, kind of coming back to this idea of this is only what trafficking can look like, uh, we then run the risk of um, not informing our kids or not informing our community of the the kind of right in front of your face reality of, hey, you know, um, you might fall into the schemes of a trafficker via some kind of social media, um, you know, interaction that takes place or just right in your own town. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, organized thing that's that's happening. It can be one person with one victim. Um, and is, it really doesn't have to be that complicated. And is it mostly... Um you know, uh, people being trafficked to work at truck stops and, and so forth, or is it, um, or is it also people being moved across the country and you're going to notice them? Um, you know, I, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like, uh, you know, tied up in, in a van and you can see them from your vantage point driving a, a large truck. Okay. Great question. So I think, um, we, while we do not want to ignore the fact that that certainly can happen, and I have heard some crazy stories from drivers who have mm -hmm. seen some crazy things like what you're mentioning, um, but the reality is it is it's going to be, um, I think, much more under, quote unquote, undercover than that. So you might have people at a truck stop. Now, while it's happening at truck stops, this is not the number one place that this is happening. You have street-based prostitution, you have residential brothels, you have illicit massage parlors, you have, you know, any number of um, kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, sort of date-based or appointment-based um, types of prostitution or trafficking that's taking place. And so, um, you know, for our, our people in the trucking industry, especially also those that are in sales uh, within the industry, um, you all are in a fantastic place because you will see this potentially at a truck stop, right? If there are um, a, a, a vehicle that pulls in and, you know, three or four or however many women or, or young looking women get out of that vehicle and then start walking the truck stop and going truck to truck, um, knocking on doors, that's a huge red flag. Um, if you are a business traveler, um, there are a number of signs that you can look for. Um, maybe not right now with COVID because you're not traveling as much, but um, you know, we, we have some training specific to those that are checking in and out of hotels or, you know, salespeople that are over the road stopping at, you know, rest areas or truck stops or those places, they have the opportunity to see this as well. Um, but it is, you know, you're looking for two main red flags. Anytime you see a minor that appears to be engaged in commercial sex, soliciting sex, or anytime you believe you're witnessing somebody under the control of a pimp, regardless of the age or gender of that potential victim, um, those are huge red flags. And you should call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-3737-888 immediately to report that tip 
and or local law enforcement, especially if you are witnessing, you know, somebody getting beat or, you know, crime having some kind of crime progress, right, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, Chris. And I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to make one more note about the the hotline. Um, you know, we get asked a lot of questions about that. We don't run the hotline. That's run by the National Human Trafficking Hotline, which is a project of Polaris out of Washington, D.C. Um, but they are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to take calls and to take tips. So you could be a victim and call and access victim services wherever you are in the nation. Um, or you could be a concerned citizen uh, you don't have to be a truck driver, but you could call and say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm seeing. I think it's human trafficking because of X, Y, or Z, you know, points. Um, and then that operator will be able to debrief that situation with you and decide, yes, it sounds like it's human trafficking or, you know, no, it really doesn't. Um, if it does, they are going to relay that information to local law enforcement partners who can then respond and investigate. Um we never want truck drivers, especially, uh, right? That's our target audience. We never want drivers to try to intervene and recover these potential victims themselves. It's not only not safe for the driver, but it's not safe for that potential victim. So really the beauty behind this is we have been able to engage, like I said, this mobile army of people who are aware, they are constantly vigilant, they are observant. And if they can witness these signs of this crime and make that call, um, they are able to change and save lives. Hmm. You know, Chris, uh, Chris, you got me onto this TV show, Hell on Wheels. Oh, yeah. right. And, um, you, there was, uh, kind of this going on back in the day, like if the series is to be believed, right. We know that there was, um, I, I guess you could call it forced labor from, um, people from China who were brought in to help build the railroad through the Sierra Nevadas. Right. So they get here and, um, then, uh, you know, the show at least depicts the, the man who's brokering all of these workers as skimming 50% of their, their pay. And of course he's also running a brothel, of course. So he's kind of like figured out the market for, for both sides of the coin there, Laura, I guess. Mm -hmm. But that kind of thing, are, are you seeing truckers um, running into the forced labor side or is it mostly the commercial sex side? We have focused predominantly on the commercial sex side. We do have some training uh, on how to spot labor trafficking. So especially right here in the U.S., we have to think of agricultural fields, um, you know, meat packing plants potentially. Um, those are really the, the, I mean, some, sometimes construction work as well. I'm trying to think of the, the intersections within transportation. Um, we have some material available for drivers to, um, you know, potentially look at some of those signs. Like, does it look like they're, um, you know, these, these ag workers are living on site? Um, do they, you know, look like they're, malnourished or abused or you know some of it some of it is kind of gray um but there can be you know a number of things that might pop up or just that that feeling of like gosh something about this just isn't right um in those times you know we're again encouraging drivers to call that national hotline um, because in addition to um sex you know sex trafficking they can also answer questions around labor trafficking as well um so TAT has focused, again, predominantly on the sex trafficking side, but we do have um, some literature available for um, how to spot labor trafficking over the road. Gotcha. And Laura, we heard remarks recently by 
Kamala Harris about potentially legalizing what she called sex work. And that, how does that, if that were to happen, how would that play in here? And I guess, do you guys have a stance on that? What are your thoughts there? We do have a stance on that. Um, we are not for the legalization of prostitution. Um, we believe in the decriminalization. Um, so we never want a victim of human trafficking to be arrested or to suffer um, consequences uh, legally for things that they were forced into. Mm -hmm. um, when you legalize something, you essentially give it your stamp of approval. And, you know, in my time here at TAT and all of the reading that I've done, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I personally don't know anyone that would choose to do this, um, choose to be raped, choose to be brutalized, choose to um, be addicted to drugs and, you know, forced into these situations. So um, this is a it, it can be a touchy subject, but um, I'll tell you this. We know of victims that have been trafficked at legal brothels in Nevada. And how can you say that there are enough safeguards in place to prevent that crime from happening um, across the board if we legalize things uh, when we know for a fact that there are people being trafficked in places where this is legal. Um, and there, as I mentioned, there will never be enough willing supply. There will never be enough willing participants in this to meet the demand. And if the, so if the there demand will stays always there. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. We will always have people that are then able to, uh, again, prey on the vulnerable and unfortunately exploit them into this. And now, you know, what what does a, a person who is forced to sell commercial sex in a in a legal fashion when it's not their choice? What what do they have? You know, how are they going to be believed? Um, certainly we're, we are going to believe them, but you have men, uh, again, predominantly men that are willing to to purchase this and, and they don't give a second thought to the the real truth behind um, the people that they're engaging with. So, right. um, yeah. Um, I, I'm absolutely going to give you some some additional show notes and some literature for uh, your folks to to consider um, yeah. around that topic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I know that's a tough question, but that's the reality. Uh, that's the political reality reality we're facing. And yeah. so, yeah, to the extent um, the decriminalization, like you mentioned, all the way up to and including uh, legalization doesn't change the fact that people are going to be compelled and there's um, almost insatiable demand here. Um, as you said, so wouldn't change the fact that human trafficking is still happening, whether it's illegal Absolutely. or not. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I saw a photo. I, I could, I don't know if it was a joke or not a joke, but with the changes in some of the laws in one state, there was a picture of a mirror, cocaine and a straw and said, one of these is illegal in this state. And it was the straw because there's now with some of the legalization that's happening in certain states, it just, I think that it, it could potentially fester stuff like this. People yeah. get addicted to drugs. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, we've got human trafficking as a result because they're trying to support a drug habit and, or, you know, it just, it's just a domino effect. It's really yeah. hard to, hard to watch what's happening and almost in some cases feel powerless, but we're not powerless. We have voices, we have eyes, ears, and we, we can do something and get involved. And I think, uh, you know, now more than ever with a cause like this, we, we have to participate. We have to get involved. Protect the vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Laura, um, 
it's it's awesome to talk to you awesome to have you on is there anything else that you that you feel like people need to know and obviously we'll include um uh all your all your suggestions in the show notes but any anything you want to end on Gosh, um, you know, I'd love for anybody that uh, is listening to watch our training. It's available on our website, truckersagainsttrafficking.org. Um, it's 26 minutes. Uh, it's a great starting place, uh, whether you're in the transportation industry in any way or not. Uh, for those that are in transportation, um, you know, I would encourage you to see what your company can do to help us spread the word. Um, you know, you guys are great. You have done so much to help us uh, spread the word, but I, I know that you're a little different than our traditional audience. And so if you, if you listener have a fleet or you're a driver or you are a safety director or something like that, um, we want to get all of this material to you. We want you to train your folks. It's easily included into new driver orientation or regular safety training. Um, it, we provide it all free of charge and we would love for you again to empower your people to help us combat this crime. The final thing that I would say um, in addition to just yeah go I hope I've started a little fire in you and that you go and um, you know do some more research do some more learning um, but you don't have to be it, it's a very overwhelming issue. It is. It's global. It's huge. It's long term. Um, we're not going to solve it overnight. I'm not even sure we're going to solve it in my generation. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's no hope. Like you guys mentioned, we all can do something. Um, yeah. And whether that is as simple as um, honestly working in your local food bank or donating clothes to a, a clothing bank or, you know, helping to um, eradicate homelessness or hunger. I mean, all of these things it, it, it isn't anti-trafficking work, but it is because it all ties in together. Um, whenever you have those vulnerabilities, you have people that potentially will fall victim to a trafficker. So what can we do to um, safeguard our community, safeguard those vulnerable populations? And it could be as simple as writing a check. It could be volunteering. It could be so many different things, getting involved with TAT, training your people. Um, but there is hope and together we can absolutely help combat this crime and help um, more victims become survivors and um, yeah, yeah, just that ripple effect. Well, you know, and one of the ways that I think we can also help is there are thousands, literally thousands of technicians on the road repairing trucks on the side of the road. So all these trucks across the supply chain have shops, shop owners, shop technicians that are out on the road that can also do their part. So this, maybe this is a call to action for even shop owners who, you know, they're, they're, they're also drivers out there that can help uh, get trained, get your employees trained and get, and get Absolutely. aware of what's happening here. Yes, not only from from their own, um, you know, their own understanding and educational standpoint. I mean, we've got posters, we've got wallet cards. If you have, you know, rooms where people are coming in, you can display all of that. Um, but give your give all of your technicians a, a, a packet of our wallet cards or, you know, a little stash of them and have them, you know, when it's appropriate, share that information with the drivers that they're assisting. Um, this is again, it's just it is that I kept, I've said it too many times, I know, but it is that ripple effect of, you know, hey, you, you're educated, um, pass this information on to somebody else. We'd love to connect you, right, with those resources. And, sorry, one more thing, download our app. Everybody can download our app. Just search Truckers Against Trafficking on any app platform. It's free. Um, it's basically a, a digital version of our wallet card. There are case studies. You can um, make a report a tip right from the app to the national hotline. Um, it's a really great 
piece of technology. And I would encourage anybody um, listening to download it and then uh, share that information. Yeah. And, you know, we've been talking about commitment, folks making a commitment. Uh, recently, a good uh, dear friend of mine, she said, um, make a pledge. Uh, it seems like it's a little more meaningful. And when you pledge, it's, uh, it's, it's on your integrity. It's on your honor. And so it's a little bit further than just uh, making a commitment. And I think that uh, just to put that out there for anyone listening, let's get involved. Let's make a pledge. Let's make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Love awesome. it. All right, Laura Cyrus, the website is truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And you guys are doing great work. Um, and it's not, it's an honor to help you guys out. Uh, look forward to doing even more in the future. So thank you very much, Laura. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Diesel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and check out dieselstories.com for more episodes.